This week on the Totally Biased Media Podcast, we talk about the new Disney Plus series, Loki. Discuss the worst financial decision in video game history. Jordan predicts the feminist smash hit of the decade? And more. Stay tuned for another wibbly-wobbly, time-twisting episode of TBM. I'm Jackson Walkup of Earth, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. I'm Jason Simmons, and I need one of those complicated shirts that Dan flashes. I'm Jordan Walkup, and you, you got what I need. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with week two of more Marvel. We're up to our third Disney Plus MCU TV series. And it's taken a wild turn, y'all. This time, we're digging in to Loki. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Loki as a character, Loki is the god of mischief and the brother of Thor, who, a couple movies ago, died at the hands of Thanos in his pursuit of the Infinity Stones at the beginning of Avengers Infinity War. After Thanos retrieved the stones and wiped out half of life in the known universe, he destroyed the stones to prevent anyone from going back and just undoing that. Uh, In an attempt to bring back the people Thanos killed, the Avengers go back in time before Thanos destroyed the Infinity Stones and retrieves them. Uh, One of the times they visit is 2012 when Loki was attacking New York in the first Avengers movie. So, going back, the Avengers failed to get the stone from Loki and instead accidentally let him escape, which is sort of where the show actually picks up. So, Loki escapes, is immediately apprehended by a group of futuristic soldier types uh, from a group called the Time Variance Authority, or TVA. So, the TVA generally kills people in positions like Loki's, but they have decided that uh, he has another job first. Uh, he meets up with Mobius, played by Mr. Owen Wilson, and uh, Mobius and Loki work together to track down another version of Loki from another time who is causing all kinds of mischief as Lokis are, are want to do. <laughs> so recap all that. This is a version of Loki from 2012, back when he was still a a bad guy. And the time police showed up and were like, no more of that. You gotta help us find an even worse Loki. And he's just like, okay. Did I miss anything? better to do. Yeah. (laughs) Anything else important you guys think we should hammer on? It's a complicated one. Well, I will say, I don't know if this really goes into spoilers yet, but... If it does, stop me. <laughs> but, you know, when he gets to the TVA, he is not adamant on helping with them at all. Until he sees a video that plays some moments from his life, if the timeline, if his timeline would have played out. And, you know, you see, you know, 
you see his mother die you see his like connection with thor and ragnarok um he sees odin die he sees himself get killed by thanos and it's not till after that that he is learning that you know if he would have continued to live he would have died anyways it's not till that that he decides to help yeah so like even though he did not live the events post avengers through avengers endgame he did still like experience them to some degree though basically got to watch them almost like a movie of his own life so he gets he gets the trajectory he was on at least um but yeah i think that pretty much covers the gist of it um as far as cast we have uh tom hiddleston reprising his role as loki we got Owen Wilson in here as Mobius, who is a new character to the MCU. Uh, we have uh, Sophia DiMartino, who plays Sylvie, another original character who we will get into extensively a bit later in the episode. So we want to set some ground rules regarding spoilers with this series, because it is very hard to talk about this series without getting into some heavy, heavy spoilers. So we kind of are lumping the spoilers into two categories here. So at the end of the second episode, some stuff goes down. <laughs> We're going to be talking pretty freely about everything that happened at that point in the show. So if you don't want to be spoiled on literally anything, do not listen to any of this episode. We will not talk about the things that happen at the very end of the series until the very end, and we'll give you a warning. So... If by the off chance you are listening to this and you have not seen the entire series, we will we will give you a warning about when to drop off. But realistically, the series is already over. You've probably been watching it when the episodes came out, so like probably fine. But anyways, enough waiting around. Let's dive into that review. Jason, you want to kick us off? All right. So Loki's pretty unique compared to the other Marvel shows, and that has like. Uh, pretty tight-knit small cast there's only about five major characters throughout the series that kind of really make the big decisions at least until the end uh with the main focus being on loki himself tom hiddleston and uh the first few episodes kind of really focus on his relationship with owen wilson's character mobius as they're trying to solve who the evil variant loki is and how they're gonna catch him that's at least how it starts out and you said we're gonna we can do spoilers up until the last episode, but not to talk about the last episode, right? I think that makes the most sense. We'll still we'll definitely get into the last episode. Let's just let's do that last at the at the very end of the review. All right, yeah. So as they kind of get into it, they find this variant is Sylvie. She's an alternate Loki from another timeline, uh, or at least. That's what she's presented as. I'm still not 100% sure that she actually is, but... <laughs> you know, we all have our questions. Whatever. Uh, and kind of at the point where they find Sylvie, it kind of switches from Loki and Mobius trying to hunt down this variant to focusing on Loki and Sylvie as they're just trying to escape and destroy the TVA, essentially. Uh, because Sylvie was taken as a child by the TVA. Uh, so she has, she's not a fan. Personally, <laughs> she's not a fan. 
I don't think you would be either if you got kidnapped <laughs> before you even got to do anything. Yeah. It's not even really, I don't think it's really explained what her crime was. Not yet, at least. Existing. Yeah, it's just, is Loki, is girl. female instead of male. <laughs> yeah. it's That's implied, but they don't get her until she's way too old for that to be it. Yeah. Like, if Sylvie got taken literally as a baby, then I would agree that it's probably just because she was a girl, but she was taken when she was, like, I if I had to guess, like, ten. Yeah. You know? That's... I can't age children. She could have been four. Well, and we're talking <laughs> She could have about... been 30. We're, yeah, we're talking about Asgardian. She could have been 200, for all we know. Like, <laughs> it is very confusing. I guess she's technically a frost giant, not a not an Asgardian. But well, we don't know that, do that's, we? I guess that's true. Loki is a frost giant. Sylvie, we have no idea. I think that shift from the the relationship between Loki and Mobius to Loki and Sylvie, I think is one of the most fascinating elements of this show. Because with how it was presented in the trailers, which looking back were kind of vague, I thought for sure this was going to be a very... Doctor Who, Ian, Monster of the Week type time travel show. Like, I thought for sure it was going to be Loki and Mobius. Each episode would go to, like, a different time and hunt a villain or prevent something from happening or something to that effect. And this show is not that at all. Like, this is not this is not the show I was expecting in the slightest. Um, and in the middle, that really bummed me out. I think it, it comes back around in a pretty big way in the last couple episodes, but like, I couldn't get a read on this show at first, and then I just straight up didn't like a couple episodes in the middle. Well, I, episodes two and three are just straight up not very good. Yeah. I think it's two and three. I think it might three be three and, and four. four. Is, three and four were the ones that just didn't really sit right with me. Like, they were just, one was just super boring, and another one just made some really weird jumps in logic. Um, the the first one the first episode is really all about like kind of you know setting everything up building up like the question of who is the tva who are the timekeepers like what's going on the second episode is really setting up questions of like who is this variant like what made them so powerful you know if if the tva is able to basically stop loki just in his tracks entirely like he can't even use his magic you know what's going on with this variant that makes them so powerful uh and then the third and fourth episodes are just kind of there <laughs> yeah and what's what's a shame is those are really important episodes for the characterization of sylvie like those episodes do a lot to kind of establish who she is as a character like why why she hates the tva and the timekeepers but it's just everything kind of going on around that uh is really not very interesting it's pretty pretty boring honestly and it's really weird because those episodes are also the ones where like a city is exploding (laughs) it's like why is this not anywhere near as interesting as when they went to a renaissance fair (laughs) yeah yeah so jackson yeah sort of sum up your thoughts on i guess like the overarching plot of the show Like, not related to larger MCU, but just, like, episode-to-episode story. What did you think? Uh, I mean, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, uh, honestly, uh, I'm having trouble thinking of what to say about it. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think this is honestly a little bit harder to talk about than some of the other stuff. Absolutely. Because, yeah. like, last week, Black Panther... Not Black Panther. <laughs> Black Widow. Like, Black Widow, it's pretty obvious what you're going to talk about. It, it was a spy movie, right? Yeah. But, like, Loki, I feel a lot of the show was kind of based on... E- even just in the marketing before the show came on, was, like, setting expectations and then kind of breaking those expectations... I think the big thing that is hard to that makes this show kind of hard to talk about is that pretty much the entire existence of this show is set up for the rest of like MCU. Right. Well, then let, let's get into that then. So I I'll be upfront. I don't like time travel in any package, generally speaking. Like most shows and movies and things that get into any level of time travel, it's just an immediate turnoff for me. Um, and to some degree, it it was with this show as well. Um, but I think that Marvel has established some pretty clear rules about time travel. And the first episode of this show really hammers home how those rules affect this show. So, like, overall it wasn't bad, but it's totally opening up the floodgates for what's to come with marvel movies as a whole and that's i think that's really what the show was about more than anything else was this is the tipping point and things are only getting crazier from here i I feel like the mcu is pretty vague about time travel i don't think there are really any rules established the the only real rule i can think of that's established for time travel in the mcu is if you change something in the past you create a new like dimension or universe or whatever or a new, at least a new time stream. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing they've established. Well, there, there's nothing like, if you go back and kill yourself or anything like that, like... Well, I think just the fact that it creates a separate universe answers a lot of that stuff. Like, it basically, it basically means that it is impossible to just straight up alter a timeline in any form like it doesn't like if you went back and killed yourself it wouldn't matter there was just going to be a universe where there was no you from that point on um yeah but your universe still has you when you go back in time and change something in the emcu instead of affecting your timeline it creates a new one so your timeline is unaffected yeah i mean that's just that's not really setting any rules that's just them being like what's the lazy (laughs) like that's just kind of the standard now for time travel, in my opinion. Well, and I and I strongly prefer that, honestly. Like, I would much rather it be something clean-cut like that instead of... I, I think what I dislike about time travel in a lot of things is it removes a lot of the stakes for important events. And even, it already kind of has in the MCU, like, by all intents and purposes, Thanos won... And they were just like, well, what if we went back and he didn't? And, like, they didn't just totally undo it or anything. But, like, we already have that established idea that you can just go back and basically reverse things, even if not directly. And I don't love that. Like, I I, I feel like that takes away a lot of the impact of things to come. Because there's always that possibility of if they were just, like... Well, what if we go back and undo them? And I, I hope that they're smart enough writers not to rehash that. But I just, I feel like we're going to see those kind of things. I think what Loki kind of sets up is that time travel is going to stop being a thing in the MCU. And instead just 
be replaced by straight up traveling between multiverses yeah or between universes within the multiverse but anyways we're getting kind of detached from like loki as as a series jackson any like standout acting performances or anything for you i mean i don't think there was anything that was like off the walls amazing about the acting performances but everyone everyone did a pretty good job with their characters and they made them pretty likable especially mobius who's probably the most likable character in it <laughs> I, I think they did enough with the acting to make every character believable yeah it, it didn't it didn't feel like there were many characters that were just everybody in the show and i guess this is more writing than acting but like everybody in the show felt like they belonged there right yeah and i think that what was good about it like no, none of the actors made it seem like their performance was like 10 times better than any of the others that kind of made like their character more interesting to watch or anything so i think it really just like it uh it made every it made every character you know like good to watch don't really know a good way to word it i don't like the way that i worded it but uh you heard it. i'm not good with words tom hiddleston's a good actor you know he's been doing loki for years though so it does it's not really that impressive when you see him do it again yeah i think that's yeah. why for me sophia di martino as sylvie was really the standout because in a lot of ways this was the sylvie show it's just we had a couple episodes of Loki wasting time before we got there. And <laughs> I, I think that, like, one, it's an incredibly compelling character who adds a ton of depth to the, I mean, the entire universe, really, in a lot of ways. But I also think that, like, you know, as an actor, she really, she really came in swinging and, you know, had a pretty huge impact on the show as a whole. Um I think that that was, like, she definitely was, like, the standout for this series for me. But I guess that could also come from the fact that, we again, we've seen a lot of Tom Hiddleston's Loki. And I don't, I don't even really know if Owen Wilson is a good actor. <laughs> and, like, those are the only three that really had, like, a tremendous amount of screen time in this show. I can't say for sure that Owen Wilson is a great actor. I can say every time his character was on screen, I was paying complete attention to him. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's, I mean, I, I do think that Mobius is an excellent character, but I think that he plays him with a certain energy. I, I don't think I could see any other actor bringing to the role. So yeah, I, I think he was definitely a, a very, very cool choice for that. And I really hope we see, a lot more of characters like Mobius in the future that are just going for something totally different than what the MCU is used to. Generally, the MCU, you just have the serious and the comic relief and literally nothing else. And Mobius is definitely comic relief, but he brings a lot more to it than just that, which is which is cool. Yeah, I think, I like you said, Owen Wilson brings a lot to the role. Uh, going back to Sylvie, though, I think her main... The, the biggest thing that makes her character so good is the depth that it adds to Loki. For all intents and purposes, at least presented as being an alternate universe version of Loki. Uh, like I said earlier, I don't know if that's true or not. But you can see a lot of the Loki character in Sylvie. But you can also see like how her experiences with the TVA and how being on the run for her entire life has kind of changed her and changed her views and her ability to trust and stuff like that. 
Uh, and it kind of adds a lot to Loki because his whole thing is he's a master of mischief. But in this movie, or <laughs> this show, he's basically playing it straight the whole time. Like, he only really does, like, one mischievous thing the whole show. <laughs> yeah, and it, it actually is, like, a really cool dynamic to see Loki being, I guess, almost like the straight man in this scenario. And then you having another character that comes in and fills the void that Loki normally does. So like that was that was really cool. Like uh, there's some weird there's some weird writing moments in this and some like very strange symbolism, but like overall I think it had a a really cool relationship centric like identity to this show that I I think was handled incredibly well both in Loki and Mobius's relationship and in Loki and Sylvie's relationship and sort of Sylvie and Mobius's relationship a little bit later in the show as well. One thing I will complain about is I figured the show was going to focus more on Loki as he was kind of depicted in 2012 in Avengers. Yeah. But that scene Jackson mentioned earlier where he essentially sees what would have happened if the timeline had gone according to plan I feel like they just kind of used that scene to be like, oh, uh, now he just is the same as he was in <laughs> yeah. uh, Avengers Infinity War. Like, it's just that Loki now. I remember <laughs> us having a conversation before this came out where we theorized that they were going to do something. Not exactly like show him a movie of it, but like clearly they were going to do something to make him more like the Loki we knew from Ragnarok. And that's exactly what they did. <laughs> They were just like, yeah. we can't have this whole show be about a bad guy, a, an objectively bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely changed a lot and is more like Loki from later movies in the MCU. But his goals are still kind of in line with, like, Avengers Loki. Yeah, like, they sure are for still... exactly two episodes of the show until he no, completely changes even, his mind. No, <laughs> even up towards, like, the end, like... He still is tempted with the offer of, like, ruling Asgard and stuff like that. Like, that's still a thing that people try to use with him a lot that starts to work but doesn't end up working. Because, well, like... It doesn't work. Like, I don't know. It just... It didn't even remotely seem like he th he thought about it every time. His eyes got a little watery for a, a, a split second when they were, like, zoomed in on his face. And then... Yeah, but that, that doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't mean anything. Like, well, I wouldn't. They say tried that. to use the weaknesses of that character, but they clearly already established that he doesn't have those weaknesses anymore. Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that, I think what would have fixed that, and really what would have fixed a lot of this show, was if there was another episode, specifically between the first and second, that sort of showed a more begrudging Loki coming to terms with this environment and coming to understand that what he was a part of was bigger than just taking over this place or that place like he previously thought like there's sort of a weird jump between episodes one and two where like at the end of episode one he's just like fine i guess i'll help and then episode two he's already like decked out in tva gear he's got himself a little cubicle he's working on a computer like it was just a weird jump, and I think maybe there was something else there we should have seen. I mean... Not to say it would I have been super interesting, but, like, 
I do yeah, feel like there's something. I, I mean, they just skipped over stuff that didn't matter. It was just like the reason he's wearing the TVA gear is so they can keep track of him and tell him apart from other variants. Yeah. And then he's just—I think they even established he's just in uh, Mobius's cubicle or oh, something like that. Because I, I, I think Mobius comes by and asks him. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it even comes up because he has the jet ski magazine. Yeah. Ah, the jet ski stuff. Talk about a red herring. <laughs> Wait, was it a red herring? Was I supposed to get something from the jet ski? I just, it really felt like they were playing up to there being some big scene with a jet ski. And there just wasn't. Like, it came up in two separate episodes. And I kept thinking, like, oh, well, clearly he is, there's going to be, there, there's going to be some episode where they go back to, like, the mid-90s. And he has to, like, stop the big bad by riding a jet ski or something. And nothing well, like that I ever mean, comes to pass. If we can get into some, a little bit of spoilers here. Once they establish that all the different members of the TVA were variants that actually just kind of got recruited into the TVA. Uh, yep, and that makes a lot of sense. Their minds were erased. I think it was just trying to establish, like, in his previous life, yep, that he had an interest in jet skis. That makes a lot of sense. And Josta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Josta. Which, I mean, oh, who doesn't love is... the refreshing taste of a nice can of Josta? That's crazy. Josta was canceled before I was even born. I'm just now putting together, like, he had a lot of stuff that was, like, 90s memorabilia 90s. yeah like that's that's so obvious i feel dumb for not piecing that together like that was implying he was from the 90s that okay that that makes a lot more sense i i never he's actually he just is owen wilson <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that, they're like what if instead of owen twist. he got offered like a big movie role in the 90s let's see let, let me just see let's look up <laughs> owen wilson 90s movies bam it's because he didn't uh, he didn't star in Bottle Rocket in 1996. Yep, that was the change. <sighs> what a shame! If he had been in Bottle Rocket in 1996, he wouldn't have been in the TVA. But instead, they got him. Yeah, he was a variant, and they got him. Okay, so I think we've we've touched on a, a pretty pretty wide array of topics. So I think now is the official point where we we get into like the really heavy like end of the show future mcu stuff so i'm gonna give everybody a couple of seconds to pause your stuff and pause it now do it and if you're interested in listening to the part the portion of the podcast that comes after this skip your episode to this timestamp that i'm about to say <laughs> Skip to that time I just said. <laughs> I'm not gonna edit anything in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you okay. just leave it. Okay. Make me look like a moron. Yeah. Okay, so pause the episode. Three, two, one. So Kang's here, he y'all. <laughs> like Kang the Conqueror. They never say his name though. Yeah. Do they? Well, he who remains. I think the implication is that. He he is the same human being that Kang is a variant of, but I don't think that that character himself ever necessarily went by Kang. I think is what they're kind of no thinking. no this yeah I don't yeah they never say like what his original name was maybe his Earth name because he's from uh 
the 31st century was actually Kang. I think they actually but do say this his version... Earth name. Let me Google that real quick. I, I don't... He Who Remains is not an original character to the MCU. He's been no, in the comics no, before. No. As, yeah, yeah. In, as yeah just I wanted a, to touch on this. Just a character that basically says and does the exact same things. Named yeah, yeah. He Who Remains. Yeah, so in the comics, He Who Remains is like... I, I think he's the leader of the TVA. He's not any sort of king. It's in this where he who remains is a variant of king. I mean, not necessarily. This is just kind of kind of what I'm saying. Like he could just straight up be he who remains. What? So like he doesn't have to be king. He could just be that character. And no, no, he's he's a variant of who is also king. You don't know that for sure. I mean, I think that there's a lot of symbolism I mean, he's played by the same people, so... <laughs> I... Well, and I think that his color scheme, some of, like, the way that his little, like, figures that depicted future characters looked, the statue at the end, I think all of that definitely leaned towards Kang is coming, whether, you know, whether he is a one for Jonathan one. Majors playing both yeah, of them. Yeah, Jonathan Majors is already cast as both. And I just want to say, like... He knocked it out of the park in that role. Like, he wasn't in it for a super long time, but he already made a huge impression. And I really hope that Kang, like, the villain we are going to see in the future, brings sort of a similar energy to that character. Because I thought he just... I thought that was so cool. Like, that whole scene with him in his office was probably my favorite part of the whole series. Yeah, I do have to take back what I said earlier about saying that none of the characters really, like like uh sorry that none of the actors really like did a like like a super better job than any others <laughs> but jonathan major's performance as king in that episode it was so good i've seen i've watched a lot of time travel and like sci-fi i mean like he did well it's just like such a standard character archetype to this point to just be like oh I'm the I'm the fun guy from the end of time. I'm the most powerful man alive, but I'm also just here to have a good time. <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of wears on you after a while. I don't really watch a whole lot of anything that isn't MCU, <laughs> so... <laughs> At least you're upfront about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... I'm conflicted, though, because I, I enjoyed Loki, like... At least four-sixths out of the time... But I, I can't help but worry about what this is setting up for the rest of the MCU. This just seems like it's going in a direction that is just not my jam at all. And I'm sure that there will still be excellent individual movies in the MCU going forward. Like, I have no doubt in my mind about that. But yeah. I just... I don't know. I don't love it. I, I mean, I will say... When Endgame um, was announced and everyone, myself included, was already theorizing that it would be time travel based, like I had my worries about it that it would not be great because of the time travel, but then it was handled well. So I could see them handling the multiverse well, but also Endgame was one movie. Multiverse is like this entire phase or the next few phases of the MCU. So for multiple movies versus one is a big difference. I, I will say, you you made it sound like we said we knew for sure that Jonathan Majors is cast as 
Kang the Conqueror in Ant-Man. That has not actually been confirmed by anyone. Are you sure? From what I'm seeing. I can't find anything. I thought it was. Like, sometime, like, I want to save in 2019. I didn't think it was that long no, ago. He got, but I he got cast in Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania, last year. But I, I can't oh, see anything okay. where they've actually said definitively that he's playing Kang the Conqueror. That sounds right. Like... I I I imagine, I I don't know. I he probably is going to be. I just want to make it clear that they haven't actually definitively said that this is Kang the Conqueror yet. It could be, uh, copyright Marvel twenty twenty one, wholly original character, <laughs> functionally the same. He did have a line in there about like they've called me many things, and one of the things was a conqueror. Conqueror. So yeah. like it's, I mean, there's definitely a lot of signs pointing towards it, but I think that I think we're going to see a lot of ambiguity in general because we're dealing with different universes. And I wouldn't be surprised if they combine him with another character, though. That I could definitely see. Someone along the mi- lines of uh, uh, like Adam Warlock or whatever. Yeah. Someone we've Honestly, gotten clues to, but we haven't seen. I could see Jonathan Majors doing multiple iterations of Kang, or, like, he remains other characters, other variants, for a little in the MCU. Like, like not a lot, but, like, I could see him doing, like, just multiple versions of him. Now, we haven't even touched on what I think is probably the kind of the least expected post credit scene I've ever seen in a Marvel mm. thing, where... <laughs> They just straight up put the words on the screen, there's going to be a season two. And, like, that was so weird. It wasn't, like, a stinger that set it up or anything. It was just, like, a stamp on a paper that said, yep, there's more Loki coming. And I'm not shocked there's another season coming, but I was surprised that was the way they did it. (laughs) Yeah. I I heard the morning that the last episode came out that there was going to be a season two of Loki. And it had me wondering a lot of things about that last episode. I, like, the whole time I was sitting there wondering. I was like, alright, so they said there's going to be a season two. But they didn't say if it would be, you know, Tom Hiddleston's Loki. They didn't say if it would be Sylvie. You know, I will say I wish the show was a little bit longer. Absolutely. I think that really would have helped yeah. the third and fourth episodes. I think that's a problem that all of the... the disney plus stuff i guess besides wandavision to really just two shows the problem they've had is just they're too short like in my opinion i think they should have gone for 13 episode seasons yeah like a a full a full a full half season (laughs) yeah a half full shows like this have in my opinion done best with a 13 episode season like look at i mean there's a few outliers of things being bad like uh iron fist but look at the netflix stuff like Almost everything is a 13-episode season, with the exception of Defenders. That's not even remotely the same, because those were mostly TV actors or no-names. You know, like, they're not going to be able to get Tom Hiddleston for a 13-episode series, and they're not going to be able to get it. They're not going to be able to get any Avengers to be in a full series like that, I don't think. Well, I'm just, I, I'm just trying to point out the, like... The quality of it. Shows like this that have 13 episodes, like... Nothing feels rushed. Like, everything feels like it has happened in the perfect amount of time. But then shows like the CW stuff that have 20-some episodes, they have tons of filler episodes that just don't work. <laughs> well, Obviously, it, it a 23-episode show would not happen. 
it depends on how you're writing, right? Because I mean, yeah, it's but... it's easy to kind of fall into when you when you're making network television, you don't really get to decide how many episodes are going to be in your season. I think that the MCU should try to be a little bit more. They should allow there to be more episodes in a season because I'm guessing it's it. I don't have anything to back this up, but I'm assuming that if they're going to be casting this big of people to be in TV series on their streaming platform, (laughs) that's already like one of the most popular streaming platforms out there, it probably comes down to money on how many episodes each season or each show is going to get. Absolutely. I'm sure that the, I'm sure that you're probably looking at some of like the tightest deadlines on recording time ever. Like I'd say a lot of these shows are probably like filmed in a week or two, like from start to finish. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if that's just, I think they filmed them like way ahead of time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much like special effects and stuff that have to go into it. Yeah. And really, that's where a lot of your money is. I I might be wrong, but I think Loki started its production in January of 2020. That sounds right. Oh, and wow. then you know that's fast. For... Yeah, and then and then COVID canceled a lot of that. So, well, didn't it get delayed too? Yeah, yeah. I think it was originally no. It was it was still set for 2021, but a lot of stuff did finish happening. Uh, did finish getting recorded. The only show that got delayed was Falcon and Winter Soldier, because that was originally November of twenty. Yeah, that was going to be first, and then they did WandaVision at first at yeah. the time it was originally scheduled. But but none of that none of that's super important <laughs> to all of this. So uh, let's let's wrap it up, uh, Jackson. Why don't you give us uh, your your summary and your score? I I think overall it was a pretty good show. It did have an episode or two that just kind of felt unnecessary, like uh, episode three. I thought episode four was good. I liked it. Episode three, I do agree with you guys. Kind of just felt boring and unneeded. <laughs> um, but yeah, for the most part, pretty good. It, I mean, like I said earlier, this show feels like its complete purpose is set up for the larger picture of the MCU with the whole multiverse stuff, but I I still think it did well in kind of having a little bit of a self-contained story in Loki and Sylvie's journey in, like, trying to take down the TVA. And, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where that will go in Season 2. Um, so, I think, uh, overall, I, I would give this a 8 out of 10. Yeah, I can get behind a lot of that. Uh, I will say, I think the reason that episodes three and four felt kind of, like, boring, or not boring necessarily, like I said, there's still, like, explosions constantly happening, but the reason they're, like, less interesting is because those episodes were focused on building up Sylvie as a character, where the first two episodes were all about building up everybody else in the cast, and then they just kind of had to play catch up with Sylvie, and... It was kind of it was kind of boring in the parts where Sylvie wasn't being like more established. Like I, I really liked a lot of the interactions between Loki and Sylvie in those episodes. Um, like especially, you know, their conversation on the train ride was really interesting. Their uh, when they ran into like the old lady or whatever that tried shooting them. Like I thought the, there were some good scenes in those episodes, but overall the episodes just weren't very interesting. 
I, I think the thing is, episode three, like, most of the show kind of felt like its own thing. Episode three kind of felt like more traditional MCU stuff. Yeah. I, I will say, though, I think Not that, that there, were, bad. <laughs> there were five episodes, uh, you know, cumulatively, that... I would say there were, there were five episodes of the six, if you take half of episode three and half of episode four. <laughs> and, you know, it was really it was a really fun to watch. It was really interesting. Uh, it did really well, kind of like WandaVision, where every episode kind of had a few more questions come up and answered some questions. That was something I really felt was kind of lacking in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was a very standard story. It didn't feel like... There weren't any bombshells being dropped on you in, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But this show, and like WandaVision, uh, did really well with that. Kept me really wanting to watch. Like, <laughs> There were days when I was just like, ooh, can't wait for the new episode to come out. Yeah. And then, then there were days where I was just like, oh, that episode was fine. <laughs> um, but overall, like I said, it was a really good time. I liked, you know, the acting in the show was really good. I thought that it was just really interesting and you know something we didn't really get into like i really liked kind of the the aesthetics of the tva uh and the way that they showed like different time periods when they went to them with just most of it was in the future honestly but whenever they went to the past you you know you'd see a lot of callbacks to stuff from the past uh and then when they when they meet <laughs> When, when they go to the end of time, you see a lot of, like, cool Easter eggs there. Like, I think there's there's the Thanos copter. Thanos copter. And then, then the giant then, yellow jacket head. Yeah. And then, like, that was a weird one. There's someone that's drinking a, an ecto-cooler high C, <laughs> which I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> which was a limited edition kind of high C that came out when the TV show The Real Ghostbusters came out. <laughs> um... It was, it was just weird stuff, because it was like time travel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like I said, overall it was really good. I do want to say, Richard E. Grant, I I think he was one of the standout We didn't even talk this. about any of... We didn't even really talk about episode 5 at all. <laughs> I think we should leave it. Leave it for people to watch later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of the episode ep- 5, definitely the high point of the, the series, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I'd say probably my second favorite episode of the whole show. <laughs> Um, but overall, I, I think I'll give it, give it an, uh, I'll also give it an eight. Jackson, I agree with your review for once. Hey, I, I'm doing something right. I don't like, I would maybe even say an 8.5, but I'm on the fence. I'm, I'm going to stick with eight. I don't like doing this because that was pretty much the score I've had in mind for it ever since I watched, watched the last episode, but I don't want us no, to all fine. three give us an eight. But but let me talk about how I got there. I don't there. see what's wrong with that, Jordan. <laughs> let, let me talk about how I got there, at least. I think that overall, I don't think I enjoyed this as much as Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mainly just because there were those episodes in the middle that just weren't that weren't great. That being said, I think like the high points of this series are the high points of the whole like collection of marvel disney plus series i think that in five and six when this show really gets in its stride i think it is 
really fun, really exciting, introduces a lot of really cool stuff, some cool characters. Like I think that just about everything this does sets you know, sets itself up as like just a genuinely interesting show. I don't love everything it is setting up for the future and I'm always a little bit I don't love time travel stuff in general, but like I think just about everything it wants to do it does pretty well. Um the only real drawback is the fact that I think that, like Jason was saying, it was sort of when we were getting into Sylvie's backstory that the show sort of came to a halt for a bit, which is a bummer because I think, like, as a character, she deserved more than that. Um, but, I mean, overall, like, really, really liked it. I'm really excited for season two, and I definitely want to know more about what's to come in the MCU. So, like... I mean, across the board, I mean, pretty good stuff. I liked it a lot. I would recommend it to just about anybody, honestly, as crazy as that sounds and as, like, weird as this show is. I know a few people that don't really watch other MCU stuff but have watched this and, like, really, really enjoyed it, which is shocking to me, like, for an MCU thing this far into the game. But, yeah, just across the board, uh, honestly, a lot better than I expected. I'll give it an 8 out of 10. <laughs> I just want you guys to know I had that number well before we got into this part. <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. The official TBM review of the hit Marvel TV series Loki is an 8 out of 10. <laughs> now, if everybody could smash that like button and subscribe <laughs> to the podcast, that would be a real help or whatever. Yeah, that would be a real help. Okay, <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come at you with some real wild stuff happening in the news. Well, it's headline time. You know what that means. H- headlines. Um, to start us off, I got the biggest headline of the week. Jordan, I got two words for you. LeBron James! I've been waiting all week to do that. It's been a heck of a week for him. I mean, not only is he, you know, starring in what will inevitably be one of the biggest movies ever made, but he's found his way into one of the biggest video games ever made as well. That's right. LeBron James is now in Fortnite. Oh, I thought you were going to say he was in Call of Duty. He's got he's got some skins, and one of them is even good. Maybe even two of them. One and a half are good. And the third one has tacos on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so one of his skins is his uh, his outfit from Space Jam. His basketball outfit. Not just like... Some like random outfit he wore. <laughs> One of them is him in like regular clothes and it's got like tacos on the hoodie he's wearing. And then One of them the is other... him in like basketball training clothes with a hoodie on top and shorts, and then he's wearing like <laughs> basketball shoes and like long socks, and his hoodie has like lions on the shoulders, <laughs> and also he has wings. Yeah, his glider is like just golden wings. So I guess I guess it's Griffin themed. It's, well, it's really leaning into his King whole James. King James brand. 
and like uh, it's all yes. iconography he's used before on shoes and clothing and all that stuff. So like honestly, I think it looks really cool. And I, I yeah, I really like the LeBron James like, like the standard the, the King James outfit. Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Um, I, as soon as I saw this was released, I did immediately log into the game to see what I would have to do to get it. Uh, unfortunately. I, I was bummed to find out it's not one you can unlock by, like, doing quests and stuff. It is one you have to pay for. So I didn't get it, but, like... Oh, sorry. I just realized the the, the lions are not on his hoodie. He's wearing a suit jacket yeah. with lions on the shoulders on top of his hoodie, which is already nice. on top of a button-up <laughs> shirt and a tie. Yeah. Nice. Everything about it's insane, and I love it. I really hope he shows up to just one game next season wearing this. <laughs> yeah, it, it's wild. The crown actually reminds me a lot of Diablo. <laughs> yeah, it 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 actually it looks specifically like a crown from Diablo three, and then the floating the over the King head. Lyrics. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was thinking the same thing actually. But yeah, it actually looks pretty cool, and you know I like LeBron more as a person. I've never really kept up with any teams he's played on. You know, it's I kept up when he was on Heat. <laughs> yeah, well, I knew a lot about him when he was playing on Heat. I just they weren't a team I necessarily was rooting for necessarily. But he seems like a I cool honestly guy. don't even know what team he's on now. It's the Lakers, yes, right? You are correct. <laughs> Can nice. you get so? One of the loading screens that they added for Fortnite is just the three pairs of shoes that he wears and the different skins. Can, can you get those for real? I wish. Um, because they're all bad, actually. They're actually somehow well, all bad. Yeah. Even, even the Toon Squad ones, which are just very plain. <laughs> One of them are taco-themed. So, like, the outer of the shoe looks like a hard tortilla. And then, like... The tongue, the tongue looks like guacamole. The, yeah. And then the strings are, like, white and red. Ketchup and mayonnaise. I would rock those. I don't even wear sneakers. You just go let that slide? <laughs> what? He said the strings are red and white. I said ketchup and mayonnaise. <laughs> I completely missed that. Mm -mm. Uh. But, you know, you know, it goes good with tacos. I don't know. I don't have a good transition for this one, actually. But they, they added a whole bunch of holes to What the Golf. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So a thousand new courses are coming to What the Golf, which is one of my favorite indie games I've ever played. Um, I, I played it uh, on iPhone like as soon as it came out. And pretty much right from the get-go, I was like, this is incredible. I need to share this with everyone. So... I've never, I've never played what the golf, and it's been a while since I've even heard of it. So it's not like a regular golf game. There's no. like no, 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 some weird twist to it, but I don't remember what the twist so, is. So there's a there's a twist to every single course. Like every single level has something crazy about it. It starts off small. Like on the first hole, you're playing golf, and then the second hole, you go to take a swing, and instead of hitting the ball you just let go of the club and throw it at the hole instead. And then you end up doing some ridiculous stuff, like you're throwing 
buildings or animals or whatever. Wait, of- isn't the one where you uh, where you throw the golf club followed by one where you swing the golf club and then the person goes flying? Yes, it is. Like <laughs> this game is all over the place. Sometimes it's you play trilogy. as sometimes you play as the hole and you're going to the ball. Sometimes you just huh. play a different game altogether. Like there's one part that's pinball themed. And I don't know, it's it's crazy. It is a very, very cool game, though. And every single level in it is wild. And somehow they managed to incorporate, you know, a dozen different, like, mechanics. And they all work perfectly. So I'm pretty excited to see what these next 1,000 holes add. It's it's also just crazy they're putting 1,000 levels, even though they're short. Like, most of them will probably only be, like... 30 seconds but like they're adding that much to a game that's already only a couple dollars and this update is free so that's that's wild i've actually got a couple more headlines we're doing many headlines this week but (laughs) yeah um i do just want to point out i'm gonna do one headline and then it's gonna immediately be followed by something incredibly depressing a sealed copy of Super Mario 64, recently sold for $15 million, becoming the most valuable game collectible ever sold. In other news, SGDQ raises $3 million for uh, Doctors Without Borders. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even think about these two headlines together. God, that's sad. Like... Ugh. Imagine if you had that much money and could do that much good and you were just like Mario 64 please. I will have your finest 125 year old video game. And I mean like Mario 64 is good and I think it was I don't know where it was sold. I assume it was probably some kind of charity auction. Most but likely. it's hard Does to this, say. Yeah. Does this guy know that it, it only retailed for $60? <laughs> what an absolute buffoon. He got ripped off. Does it- we have a copy, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I actually, I just bought it with two other Mario games for my Switch. <laughs> yeah. I was just about to say, you could literally buy that in two other games for $60. Dang, so it's really only worth $20, huh? It's true. Well, it's worth mentioning, uh, the version on the Switch is not as good as the original. Yeah. It's also no longer for sale, which is wild. Well, it's just an emulation of the game, which I've... That's the only way I've ever played it. Well, isn't the one for the All-Star Collection, isn't it a port of the 3D, uh, not the 3DS, the DS version of Mario 64? No. Okay. It's just an emulator running the original, I'm pretty sure. It is. Huh. And I actually, so I had basically every other big first-party Nintendo game for the 64, but I did not have Super Mario 64, so I have never played that game outside of emulations. So, like... Just once, I would like to play the legit game, but the problem is that um, going through the headache of hooking up a Nintendo 64, you know, getting all the adapters to get to connect my TV, and then paying $15 million for the game is just not worth it. $15 million. Uh, I did put in my notes, though, that I just put Mario 64 sells for too much. Most ever, actually. (laughs) Sums it up well. Uh, I just thought that was fun. (laughs) That said, the work they did at SQDQ to raise $3 million was really impressive. And there were some really good runs this year. They did another run of our favorite game, Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix. And that game gets a little bit faster every year, and it's always really impressive to watch. The Psychonauts run was really cool, because they've managed to... They just 
they found a way to skip the last third of the game. (laughs) Which means the last, like, full world that's in the game is the Milkman. And, you know, if you're going to end the game, that's a good place. $3 million. $15 million. All a drop in the bucket to the inevitable cash cow of Greta Gerwig's The Barbie Movie, which was officially announced this week. And I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around it, because I think she is an incredible director. Uh, She has Margot Robbie on to play Barbie, which I think, perfect sense. Great decision. I just don't understand why... (laughs) And I mean, did they do a trailer for it that I've missed, or did they just announce it? No, they just announced, just announced it. it. It's probably it's going to be a parody movie, right? Oh, I'm sure there is no way it's oh, not. Oh yeah, definitely. Or at the, like, or maybe I don't think it's going to do anything like disrespectful to the Barbie brand or any past Barbie movies. But I think that this is going to be a. I think that this movie is going to be like a way to show that that whole brand and that whole style isn't villainizing femininity in any way or it's not a detriment to girls as a whole. I think that this movie is going to somehow end up being like a critique of consumerism and like performative allyship and everything like i don't think that this movie is going to i don't think this movie is going to take itself seriously with the barbie property but i also think it's going to be a much more serious movie thematically than we would ever expect jordan thinks that the barbie movie is going to be responsible for demolishing the glass ceiling (laughs) you heard it here first it's gonna be the biggest movie in feminism he's calling it right now (laughs) you can quote him on it it's just, I don't know the why. The Barbie movie with Margot Robbie, directed by Greta Gerwig, is the feminist smash hit that we've all been waiting for. I just don't know why you would have Greta Gerwig directing it if it was going to be anything else. I mean, she gave us both Little Women and Lady Bird, and like, I just, I don't, I couldn't even foresee this being anything else. Also, this could be an opportunity to bring one of my favorite actors... Saoirse Ronan back on the screen. So, you know, she's in everything else she's directed. You know, this is also not the first time they've tried making a live-action Barbie movie. At one point, they tried making it with Amy Schumer. Uh, definitely pronounced that wrong. As Barbie. And then with Anne Hathaway as Barbie. I don't I don't know if this is still, like, the same movie in development. <laughs> that's just, you know, a, a new director and Mario Robbie instead. <laughs> I couldn't imagine any version of that with Amy Schumer being good. I don't plan to see the Barbie movie unless, like, it ends up being something totally different that I'm picturing. But I'm definitely interested. Like, I want to know more. <laughs> Last week, we talked about the new Nintendo Switch, the OLED version. And about how I wanted to get my hands on one. but The G-A-R-B-A-G-E version. (laughs) I 
was not successful in pre-ordering a Nintendo Switch, which is unsurprising uh, based on everything. But something better might have rolled around. And now, kind of glad I didn't didn't get that pre-order in because Steam is here to save the day. <laughs> Steam? Are you saying that they're going to release some kind of console? Something they've never, ever, ever done before. I can't believe they're finally going to start actually supporting the Steam machines. <laughs> oh, they're not? They're making a new thing? <laughs> now, this week, they officially revealed the Steam Deck, which is a new handheld game console, which will come preloaded with Steam OS and support just about every Steam game. Now... We're still pretty early in the news cycle on this one. We don't have a ton of like actual concrete information about how it performs or a lot of the mechanics of or the logistics of, of how it is going to work as a console. But I will say the concept of being able to play my Steam games on a handheld console or on the TV with the dock and everything, like this could just lead to my switch going up on a shelf and literally only being touched at all when like a brand new first party game comes out because i mean the the indie games are all i really play on the switch you know 90 percent of the time and all of that is better on pc so like we might finally have that in the palm of my hands Uh, the resolution for it is 1280 by 800 uh, so, so it's a sixteen ten aspect ratio instead of sixteen nine, which is generally what you expect. But the big thing about it is just that it can play your Steam library. Yeah, I Y'all think it know. looks pretty weird. I I don't know what those pads are below the sticks. I they're, don't know. They're touch pads. So you know how like the um the Steam oh like controller. the Steam controller yeah. how it has yeah. the yeah yeah. Yeah, and this seems like it'll be pretty big because I mean, at the moment, nobody is nobody's targeting the mobile market except Nintendo, at least other than cell phones. Uh, nobody's you know targeting handheld gaming, and nobody other than I mean, I guess Xbox and Nintendo are both making a run for that indie market. But if you're actually able to play you know PC games on the go, <laughs> I think that the Steam Deck, if it actually you know, handles as well as they're saying it's going to. I think this is going to completely demolish that market. Of course, I'm not a betting person anyways, so I'm still skeptical of that, to say the least. But, like, what I've seen is really, really promising. I mean, I pre-ordered one, so clearly I at least want it to work the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's kind of worth thinking about is it's going to be running SteamOS, which is their custom Linux flavor. So, since it's not running Windows, there's definitely going to be some compatibility issues with some games. Absolutely. Well, the thing is, I might be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure in the IGN hands-on video about it, they did talk about how the Steam OS can be uninstalled and Windows 10 can be installed because this is essentially just a handheld PC. So, like, if that's true, because I can't really back that up that well, um, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, just because you can do it, I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably not a good idea. Oh, yeah. Obviously, until we actually know more. It's not going to be designed to run Windows 10. 
right until we know more about it obviously we don't know if that would even run well but still just the fact of having your steam library on the go is just pretty exciting to me i don't know if that's really that big of a a thing i mean there's been plenty of consoles where you've been able to do similar stuff i was just going to say valve's focus on proton which is their their system that basically allows you to run windows games on linux i think is going to be the major uh kind of limiting factor on what's going to be able to run on this thing at least for a while because hardware spec wise with you know it only can do 60 hertz 1280 by 800 i think that it'll be able to run most modern games on at least medium uh and if you i believe they said if you cut down to most games like their example was portal if you run it at 30 fps instead of 60 fps you'll almost like double the battery life so dang i assume even just running something like portal 2 at max is going to take you out after a while but it's still like four hours i think so i don't think the hardware is going to be too too much of an issue but i think there's going to be some hard some software issues and they're going to have to do a lot of work on proton before this is able to run everything but i'm i'm very excited to see where it goes well as we say hello to new consoles of course we have to say goodbye to old directors i guess anyways (laughs) that one that one was a bit forced uh So James Gunn said this week that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will likely be his final Marvel film. Sad to hear it. I think that he is probably the best director in the MCU. Um, I think that he has delivered really consistently great stuff, and he's contributed to a lot of the biggest and best of the MCU. Um, It's not surprising based on the history that James Gunn has had with Disney, but it is it is a bummer to see him go. I, I would say he's been a major influence on the MCU, especially since uh, Phase 2. Uh, and I think he's done a he's taken a production role on a lot of stuff since then, hasn't he? Yeah. I know he was yeah. a producer in the, the two Avengers movies, uh, Infinity War and Endgame. And yeah. I believe... I think he's doing something with the new Thor movie in like some kind of production role, possibly. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure on that. Sounds right. Sounds right. <laughs> yeah. I might just be spreading some straight up lies on this podcast. It'll be sad to see him go. It's also weird because at first the MCU didn't have a lot of consistency with directors. It feels like it's a more recent move that they went to seeing a lot of returning people and names. And I think that that was for the best in the most part. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple of the other sort of tried and true directors for Marvel properties sort of on their way out as well. Um, I would be shocked if the Russos are going anywhere. <laughs> um, but... I wouldn't be shocked if if someone like uh, Taika Waititi would be on on the way out as well. I, I imagine that after Thor, I don't see him doing too much more. I mean, he seems like a very kind of free spirit guy, movie 
I mean, directing wise, I don't see him wanting to stick around with the MCU because I assume it's very restrictive with what you can do. Absolutely. I I mean, the reason he, they let him do so much with Thor, I have to assume, is just because of how poorly Thor two went. Yeah. And I believe Thor one wasn't. It, it's not considered it's really to be very great. good either. <laughs> So they probably just wanted a, like a major revitalization of the character, and they were like, "I know just the guy." <laughs> and I think he did a great job with that. I would I would say that Thor Ragnarok is probably I don't know probably my second favorite Marvel movie to date, and I think it brought probably like the best energy I think of any one movie in this in the whole collective universe. So, you know, I. I would get wanting to maybe call it not too, too long after that. But this isn't about Taika. This is about James. And I think sort of a testament to how significant he was for this series was the fact that I know a lot of people that do not care about the MCU collectively, don't like superhero movies that much at all, but love Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think it's because he took something totally off the wall and inaccessible and turned it into something that is just this excellent standalone movie. It's fun, it's quirky, it's weird, but still very, very good the whole way through. And the sequel is also very good. I just want to point out, I know a lot of people I know really don't like Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I think Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is a amazing film. I don't think it's bad. My problem is Guardians of the Galaxy 1 felt more like its own thing, and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 felt more like a traditional MCU movie. Uh, sorry, what was that? I muted my headphones because I heard something bad being said about <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So. Like I said, I still like it. It's just... It doesn't feel as separate. I think it might have been because we already knew they'd be in Infinity War and stuff by then, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think they're both great movies. I think they're both really high points yeah. for the MCU. Um, I just think one was just a little bit better, and everybody went in with too high of expectations for two because of how good one was. Two has better, more quotable lines. And if we go by quotable lines, the best movie of all time is Star Wars Episode Three, And the second best movie of all time is this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got one more big headline this week. What if it was actually last week and we forgot to talk about it then? So we're talking about <laughs> it now. Based on that trailer, it's asking all the big questions everybody's been wondering. What if Killmonger met Tony Stark? <laughs> what if zombies? <laughs> you know, big questions. Like, Spider-Man's not wearing a mask in that one scene? Ooh. <laughs> what if? It's really weird because some of them are actually, like, good. Like, what if Peggy Carter became Captain America? Like, I get that one. Like, that's, that's close. Like, that, you know, I could have feasibly seen that happen i don't understand most of them <laughs> what if dr strange talked to a woman <laughs> who knows I'm, still I'm still kind of confused what the dr strange one was doing <laughs> i think he's i i think he might be like traveling through the multiverse 
This is just my guess from what I saw in the trailer. I think it's Doctor Strange is traveling through the multiverse, and he's kind of like the through line throughout. So, like, as he's going to all these alternate timelines or universes, whatever, I don't know what Marvel's calling them, but as he's going to all these different ones, you see what happens. And it, it probably doesn't focus on just him while he's there, but I think he'll be the through line. I could see it all tying back to his movie. Yeah, it might be like a precursor for In the Multiverse of Madness. When does that come out? Is that early March next of year? next year. So, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. What's the next Marvel movie this year? Shang-Chi. Um, next month. Oh, yeah, yeah Shang-Chi. With Abomination and also Wong is there. <laughs> I did not even realize Wong was there. When was, when was he there? Fighting Abomination. Scene with Abomination. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, I barely noticed the Abomination the first time. Not because I like didn't see the big green monster, just because I did not like take him as abomination. <laughs> I I still think it's interesting that Doctor Strange and his sidekick are both named Benedict. <laughs> yeah, it's not a very common name. It's just kind of interesting that Benedict Cumberbatch and Benedict Wong. Like if you like if you had to make a list of best actors in the mcu named benedict there would be more than one person on that list <laughs> that shouldn't happen and you know what we still have i still got one more headline here we'll just go over it really quickly <laughs> yeah final Good fantasy point. 14 ever since they had that big Endwalker announcement and the expansion comes out very soon i believe there was also a big sale yeah they had a big sale and it sold so well that they actually ran out of digital copies <laughs> of the game. <laughs> Which is, it's impressive. I don't think, uh, I don't think I've ever seen that happen with like a big AAA game before. Especially not one this old. Because Final Fantasy XIV's several years old at this point. Even since uh, their big re-release with uh, A Realm Reborn. It, it's very interesting to see that even now it's somehow selling better than expectations it came out in like 2012 right Ye- no it's more recent than that oh i mean gotta be poor final fantasy 15 that came out in like 2015 right <laughs> those numbers mean nothing but yeah <laughs> okay never mind final fantasy 14 was 2010 Ooh, dang and then i think a realm reborn was 20 2012 or 2013 that was the official reboot yeah which that was that was really cool, honestly. Yeah. Uh, just the fact that they were like, "Well, our game sucks." And they were like, "Well, how are we gonna fix it?" Let's just say that an asteroid, or no, sorry, a god destroys the entire world, uh, and then the world gets reset, and also everything that happened in the first game is canon to the re-release. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Like, I wish more games would sort of take notes <laughs> on what that level of reboot looks like. Looking at you, Avengers. Yeah, maybe some other Square Enix properties might take note. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess it's not a Square Enix property, but a Square Enix game. I don't published know by Square works. Enix, so whatever that Square means. Square Enix license. Yeah. And if Avengers went offline for a year and then came back and was actually good, I'd be very excited. I haven't played it since like a couple weeks after it came out. It could have easily gone off for a year and I would have never known. <laughs> Well, I, I play every time a new expansion comes out. Not long enough to actually play that much of the expansion, but long enough to the first mission, and I can say it's still bad. <laughs> Go on for long enough just to see. I just want to check. 
you know, maybe one day I'll log in and Spider-Man's there and it's like, actually, I'm a fun character to play as. Oh, I wouldn't. And I'll be I like, wouldn't count on it. wow, thank you, Spider-Man. I'm so happy that you're here. <laughs> and he's like, hi, I'm actually voiced by, by Drake Bell from prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this took a weird turn. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm not going to Josh's wedding. <laughs> Jackson, what else have you been into this week? This is aggressive. Tell me now. We were just talking about Spider-Man, and I I finally did a New Game Plus playthrough of Spider-Man Miles Morales. Gotta say... Uh, six months later, still pretty good. Dang. Um, I don't want to go too much into this because I, I think I talked about it a few episodes ago when we did like a uh, favorite games of the past year or something. But like, wait, how many episodes ago did you guess that was? Uh, I don't. I didn't give a number. I think I just said a few. I thought you said you three. Said three. That's like that was uh, like twelve episodes ago. <laughs> we've been doing this podcast that long. <laughs> Dang. But yeah. Anyways, yeah, great game. I think it adds a lot to the to the 2018 Spider-Man. You know, it really shows just like just how good Insomniac is with making video games. <laughs> um, but besides that, I have been playing, of course, Destiny 2 Solstice of Heroes event, which is the only event in the game that I really play because the others kind of suck. But, Wait till I tell you about the game itself. <laughs> Wait till I tell you about that event. <laughs> but the thing that I, I really like about this event is that it's one of the few events that actually has its own game mode, which is a area uh, called the EAZ, which is the European Aerial Zone. It's just like a big floating town in the sky where it's essentially just a boss rush. You have five minutes to kill as many bosses as possible, and then when the time runs out, you kill one big boss, and then you get to collect chests around the map based on how many bosses you killed. And it's just like, it's it's something simple and fun. Like, if it was something that was there all the time, wouldn't care for it that much, but, like, being there for only, like, three weeks out of a year is pretty nice. Well, I've been all over the place. TBH. First off, I went to see Black Widow again with my friends. Um, they really wanted to go see it. We talked about seeing it forever ago. And I went to see it with you guys before the podcast. And then I felt bad, so I didn't tell them that. And I went to go see it again. And let me tell you, that movie is exactly how I reviewed it last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's adequate. Part of me, it's fine. Part of me felt <laughs> like after the fact that we were too hard on it in the episode. But then I was like really thinking about it for a while and i was like no we were just right on the podcast (laughs) i felt that way until i went to go see it again like i got to the theater and i watched the intro again and i was like you know this is a little bit better than i gave it credit for and then i watched the rest of the movie and i was like no i was exactly right with everything i said about it it's literally it's it's adequate it's fine it's it is a movie (laughs) uh i i literally have no feelings for black widow (laughs) um other than that, I've been playing through Mass Effect 3. I assume we're going to review that one day, but I think I'm the only one that's been playing it, so <laughs> it'll probably be a while. 
first and foremost, uh, close personal friend and fan of the show, Tim Robinson, <laughs> has a new season of I Think You Should Leave out on Netflix, and it is fantastic. Even funnier than the first season, uh, there are no low points. The first season has some awkward sketches. Second season, not nearly as much. Like It's just incredibly funny from start to finish. This is what I w- wish SNL was. <laughs> Basically just the highlights, because <laughs> I watch approximately six or seven sketches a season on SNL, um, and uh, that's enough. But yeah, this, this is very, very funny. Tim Robinson's just a brilliant person. He takes such like simple and mundane like concepts or turns of phrases and then stretches them out into these just hilarious scenes. Um, it is very, very funny. I highly recommend it. If you would like to reach out to us, you can do so on our Twitter at TBMcast, on Instagram at Totally Biased Media, or send us an email to totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com. Send us your reviews or suggestions for the show or anything. We just, we'd love to hear from you. We, will, we promise we will engage however we can. Um, so just drop us a line. We, we'd love to hear from you. But now that we're at, at the end of the episode, I'm afraid we must say our goodbyes. So for the Totally Biased Media Podcast, I'm Jordan Walkup. I'm Jason Simmons. And I'm Jackson Walkup. And you just felt the bias. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>